So I thought I'd preface this one by, um, I don't usually do this going into new Star Trek seasons. Maybe we did for Star Trek Discovery Season 2. But um, going into Star Trek Discovery Season 3 puts me in a very unique place where this is the first this is the first series I've strongly considered just not covering uh, going into this one. So I I find Discovery to be the worst of the Star Trek uh, franchise that has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I find Picard slightly more bearable just because I know Picard, and that's like enough mm-hmm. for me to grab onto something, even though I think that they're basically the same show uh, with different characters. They, they're tonally the same. They're written the same. They have the same problems. Um, Discovery is not that for me. I... I sort of loathe discovery in a lot of ways, and I'm I'm saying I'm bringing this up at the I'm bringing this up at the start because it's going to be it's tough. I didn't know if I could be fair judging this mm-hmm. show because at this, this point, is, this is like the 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 ver, uh, the long way of you saying like with all due respect to everything that you say after that <laughs> to the show. I, I, I'm in a place where the show really has to like knock me over for me to go like, okay, it did something there because I, well, while I'm going to be watching this, there's always going to be in the back of my mind. They're going to fuck this up. Like even even if this thing came, if even this, this came out great, if it was a great episode, we're going to be talking about the hope that hope is you part one. Um, it would need to be sustained for an entire season before I believe Mm. anything that has to do with this series. But that's my mental state about discovery. I think you're more optimistic about or, you're more interested in discovery where uh, I could maybe say that we actually have an opposite reaction to like enterprise where I would rather review enterprise than discovery. And you Mm -hmm. might be the opposite. You might prefer watching discovery and talking about it. Well, enterprises is, uh, has, has a a mark off, off my book immediately because it doesn't have a a chest symbol Mm -hmm. insignia. (laughs) And this one, Star Trek discovery season three, has one in the show and a new one in the credits, so I'm already in the bag for this show. I know they they, um, they knew what they had to do to get you on board, and they they yeah. slathered it all over the episode. Insignia is everywhere, yeah. but uh, yeah, I you know, I I want to give it the benefit of the doubt because I don't want to come in to it uh, negative if I if I if I can avoid it. Um, and you know, with the setup they were going for, they're kind of it's kind of a soft re- reboot, so I want to give it a little bit of leeway um yeah so i i i I have uh i don't know if i would say my expectations are higher because i don't think that they are uh i guess i should say my expectations are lower uh because i feel like personally there's only the only way they can go is up Mm -hmm. from the past two seasons for the most part they Um, could just they could just plateau they could just be the same the same thing so sure sure it's hard to it's hard to get worse i just i I do feel I did want to just state it at the start that um, I just have a really hard time with this series and spoilers. I kind of had the same hard time with this first episode. So why don't (laughs) we just use that? We'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode and then we'll come back and we'll break down that hope is you part one. True believer. Yeah. Time traveler. Yeah. I figured. Don't know how you came by whatever you used to get here. All time travel technology was destroyed after the temporal wars. Outlawed. There was no other way. For me. 
That Hope Is You Part 1 is the first episode of the third season of Star Trek Discovery. It came out on the 15th of October 2020, written by Michelle Paradise, the new showrunner, Jenny Lume and Alex Kurtzman, the grand pooba of Star Trek at this point, directed by Ola Tunde Osun Sanmi. In-universe date is not specifically known, but it's 3188. In this episode, Michael Burnham navigates a strange new galaxy 930 years in her future, looking for the rest of the Discovery crew. It's the season premiere, Star Trek Discovery's third season, where they've jumped ahead in time. Everything is different. Some things are the same. But uh, positives here. Iceland's a beautiful country. Iceland, Iceland, <laughs> Iceland is like, Iceland is just gorgeous. And, uh, yeah, it really It's is. really strange. And obviously, it's weird that they use it for, it's not weird. It's understandable that they use it for all these like alien landscapes. And I, I assume that there's not three moons in the sky when you go to Iceland and that was CG. But the rest of the, uh, the rest of the water and the mountains and everything look very, very lovely. Very pretty place to be. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if if they take offense to that at all. So, like, you have a location scout who's like, "Hi, yeah, we're looking for like a desolate, alien-looking planet, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of uh, a landscape. Can we shoot in your in your country, Iceland? Because it just it's beautiful, <laughs> but it is. Yeah, it's so much steam just coming out of the ground. Yeah, this is- <laughs> it is weird here. <laughs> It is it is gorgeous. Uh the show looks very nice. Uh looks a lot of color tinting is on on par. The the uh, location shooting was very nice. The effects work I think is nice. I, I thought things looked nicer in some ways than they have previously or at least if it's mm-hmm. a, a first episode to come in. So things like, did look very nice. Iceland's very pretty. Uh but what I've been talking for a while. Why don't you lead off with That Hope Is You Part 1? Who's the hope uh, about? Were you were you worried who the hope was going to be by the end of the episode? Did they shock no, you with the revelation? No, it's it's pretty clear who the hope is and who the hope <laughs> always is. Um, I I didn't realize that was the title. The title sounds like the like a jingle for a supermarket or something. From mm-hmm. that hope is you. I think um, they're getting cute with the titles too, because I'm pretty sure the next episode is not part two. I don't know if there is a part two to this. So I think oh, they're really? getting. I, there's a I, later. You know what? If I, I bet it's like the finale is probably this hope is you part two or something. It could like be. That. There's also an yeah. episode called Unification Part Three in this season. Oh, okay. so, awesome! Yeah. So <laughs> way to call, way to call back to one of the greats. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think about this one? Um, you know, honestly, I didn't hate it. Um, I don't know if if it was maybe the last five or six minutes or so doing most of the work for me because I thought that I really liked that last scene. With the uh, the care, the Starfleet caretaker guy and and uh, and putting up the flag and all that kind of stuff and kind of the the mission statement as to what the season was going to be about. Um, the rest of it, I thought was fine. I think uh, uh, sh- Michael Burnham immediately has more chemistry with this new guy than she has in two seasons of Ash Tyler, so that's a plus. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I thought it was, it was, I thought it was okay. I, I, it, it strangely reminded me a lot of broken bow for some reason. And I think it's because of the, uh, well, the second half of it is kind of very similar to broken bow where they have to go to this alien kind of like a bartering place and they end up in a gunfight. Sure. Um, but it was the, the modern, kind of like structure was very much on display here where it's like they immediately have a kung fu fight an extended kung fu fight 
and then like uh they go to their alien place where they do some like sort of stock sci-fi stuff and then uh because there's been too long in the script without a fight they get into another fight uh and a fight start to get out of there room. fight to escape. fight to get out of there yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I actually, I didn't hate it. Um, then they jump to different locations in Iceland where they can fight a couple times. And right. Then, then yeah. they move on. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why it took them. Well, I guess they kept sending guys after them, but I was, I don't know why they didn't just stay in one place and just like, you know, spawn, spawn camp. Yeah. And just, just <laughs> they do that. They do they that in out. one thing. They, they turn around their weight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and shoot <clears> them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was all right. I, um, I think that it did nothing different for me mm. in terms of um i'm seeing a lot of hope on the internet and the discord i pay more attention to the discord people are people are we're generally happy with this one and they think that maybe this will be the time that's different and i just feel i feel it's like a jilted lover syndrome or something it's like oh yeah it's like no, this, this, this time things are going to be better i don't see any reason to believe that things are going to be better here I, to me this mm-hmm. feels really extreme like and i think that people are looking for hope in a lot of strange places like the uh and that hope is you is you the the the, a a big example is the burn is the big it's going to be the mystery of this season right so Mm. uh people are saying it's a little bit better than uh specifically kyle was saying it's a little bit better than the red angel mystery because you at least know what the burn is from the start where the red angel is just a word that you don't know until a couple episodes in which is true you know that the burn is the dilithium apparently spontaneously combusted which i find funny for so like i find that unintentionally funny and it blew up all the ships in starfleet and now no one has any gas to get anywhere so the federation has crumbled because people can't go different places um to me it feels very much like a discovery plot on a on a technical franchise level the super nerdy response to this is not everyone uses dilithium so Mm -hmm there should be races out there that are still warping around and this has an impact on anything. The Romulans should be able to get a, a, well, away with things. I, I don't think that they've implied that that isn't the case, have they? They have not, but... They, it seems like the, the burn they has specific connotations to the Federation as it stands right now. Right. So the, the Federation yeah. going away basically is like all the cops went away and now everything is just mm-hmm. crime-riddled and stuff like that. But it it ties into... They can explain this, but you're still left with this position where the Federation is technologically destroyed by this, and they mm-hmm. can't just adapt new te- new technology. Exists is my is my takeaway. Like there's a there's right. a way to do this, and I guess they got away with it by saying that the Dilithium blew up all the ships or something like that. There's a couple of them left. Um, the other thing, like that's, once you get past that sort of weird technical nerdy stuff, which maybe isn't the most important thing, you're back to this. Mm religiously tinged vocabulary that New Trek mm. uses. The the Convent of Eight or whatever was in Picard. The, oh, the Conclave of Eight. Conclave of Eight. This is, <laughs> oh, I had almost blocked that out of my memory. This Damn is it, just, Wes. This is just the burn, which is an event that has some sort of... It didn't happen yeah. all that long ago. It happened within a lifetime for people in the Star Trek universe 100 years ago. But no one knows anything about it. And no one has any information outside of this very religious-sounding event that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And you need a messiah to come in and correct the burn. And I look forward to the burn being linked to some inane thing that happened before. And like this is the whole reason that it all came about. But I'm, I'm really annoyed by this melodramatic grandstanding of vocabulary where yeah. everything is 
tinged with uh, an idea of faith. There's, there's just, it's everyone has faith that this is the thing that has happened. I have faith that this is going to be coming back. And you had said, I'll throw this to you shortly. I'm just ranting now. But mm. the last yeah. five minutes with that guy, that guy is purely religiously driven. Unless he's Bro, a, unless yes. he's a hologram or some kind of AI, <clears throat> I have no understanding of how he spent forty years sitting in that room doing that. He, he he must be a hologram or something. I have to assume. Although he talks about his father. So yeah, I don't think he's a hologram. I think he's just uh, serves the story without being really thought out as to what the I don't I don't buy him. specifics of forty years of that is. Yeah, he does. He's not insane. He should be insane sitting there looking at the same map all day, like going like where the hell are the mm-hmm. ships for forty years? And he's treated as a he is the high priest who's been waiting for his Messiah to come back. Yeah. The Messiah he's is like now the guy, here. He, he's like the knight in the Grail Chamber, basically in, in uh, Indiana yeah. Jones. And he has a uh, a tribalistic ritual that he cannot do because he is not anointed by God. He can't raise mm. the flag. He's not a commissioned officer in Star Trek. Who gives a fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's no th- th- buddy. This is not the time for regulations at this point. If you're trying to find right. other ships, just raise your fucking flag if that's what you've got to do. It's that. That's my big problem with this show is that it's it's move. It moves away from a kind of realistic. Um, humanistic look at things into a mm-hmm. grand statement of the universe about everything including star trek and starfleet yeah um they it, the, it's not that star trek hasn't had its 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 um fair share of grandstanding in the past but it's usually like brief it's not like you know a whole season arc worth of picard well i guess now it is but uh of picard grandstanding about the uh uh why the federation is is worth it on a spiritual level or something Mm -hmm. um that that stuff i i find the burn that thing and what you're talking about a very modern trope that i i generally can't stand because it's i it's a i think it's a shorthanded mystery um and it is it it pops up in so much sci-fi and genre stuff and it's never satisfying and it always sounds dumb so it's always like the 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 burn or the awakening or the destruct you know or the uh, the in, envisioning or so the happening. these weird the like happening. Yeah, yeah yeah these weird like uh isolated words that don't mean anything that are given this like grand weight as as a as a mystery point yeah this one at least <clears throat> i guess yeah they're probably going to figure out i kind of hope they don't go into like what actually happened and they just start rebuilding the federation yeah because they i actually was kind of relieved when they were like the burn and she's like the burn what's that and he wasn't like no one knows it's just one day all the stars went or some shit like that it's like no all the ships exploded and the federation collapsed and they call it the burn because everything burned at the same time it's like oh okay well at least it has an explanation um i'm sure they're going to go into what happened or whatever uh but, um, you know, I think you bring up what, what you're talking about brings up a, one of the problems that I did have with this, which is they've taken away, at least for this episode, all of the stuff that makes it Star Trek. And what that leaves you with is a stylistic void. 
So what they ended up doing is e- turning it even more into Star Wars. Like this is a star- this is a Star Wars episode. This is that opening ship where his book's uh, ship is being chased by the Iridian, whatever his name is. Yeah. It sounds exactly like Star Wars. It looks and sounds exactly yeah. like Star Wars. Yeah. No, this I, this entire episode feels like could have been, it could have been an episode of The Mandalorian or something. Yep. It's it's got you know the Han Solo character doing essentially exactly what Han Solo does in the first three movies of the Star Wars. Um, it has that sort of, uh, uh, like you're saying, this sort of religious overtone to the to the to the uh, to the environment. It's got this uh, body governing body that's been smashed and replaced with like disarray. Uh, the way you have the Jedi Council's been blown up, and now the Empire rules everything, and everything's you yeah. know it's every man for himself and all that kind of stuff. And you've got. Uh, Planets feel lasers very Lasers upon isolated. lasers upon lasers. Yeah, the, yeah the, like very the, isolated. The planets are their own sort of standalone Mos Eisley-esque places where there's there's no um, there's no overriding force. Even the Empire isn't particularly interested. It's just kind of a, wherever you go, there's chaos and crime mm. and all that stuff. Which, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess that's what's going to happen when you, when you break up the Federation. But it just feels really tonally off. And when you build into that, so many uh punch fight action scenes and, and gunfights and stuff it doesn't it feels more star wars than star trek the um the other thing i don't know if you wanted to jump off of that i had one other thing i wanted to well talk there's about. one thing about the burn so the, sure. the the problem i have with the burn uh outside of those other things is that it's what it does and what i think that star trek as a franchise doesn't particularly do uh, or shouldn't do or has not done to this point is that the the burn is not a at least to this point the burn is not a believable grounded human reason for the federation to fall apart right so it's sure. a it's a basically an anti-miracle that happened it's like some magical event happened and it cast aside all the sinners and now you are going to have to rebuild this with someone who's pure from it. And there's no one day. One day, all the androids just decided to start killing humans, <laughs> just flying around. You know, what I mean? like it's the the problem is that there's no there's no DS nine interesting level of oh well this sort of conflict happened between the powers of the Alpha Quadrant. The Federation fell apart because it couldn't handle it. There's it's just a no a magical event happened. And it set the stage for everything that's going to happen here. I just don't find that interesting because I don't care. Mm. They're going to back end the burn into something. They're going to turn it into some kind of like related to Star Trek reason that this actually happened. But because there's no explanation of why something can fall apart like that, when you rebuild it, you don't have any lessons to learn because you didn't do anything that caused it to fall apart in the first place. So right, it's really right. just a, a matter of praising Burnham and the Discovery crew as great builders who can come in and save the day. But Starfleet in and of itself can't really learn anything from this because it's just a magic event that they couldn't have predicted, mm. really, or they don't seem to have been able to predict it. Maybe they'll change that, but at this point, I need Book or someone to hint at that. All Book has is just this thing happened, who knows? I don't. I don't ask questions. I don't know why. I don't. It'd be like you. Uh, you woke up the next day. You'd be like, I don't know what happened to the internet. It just disappeared one day. It's like really, it's kind of important. You're like, yeah, it just just disappeared. I'm I'm concerned with saving endangered species, which we'll talk about yeah. shortly. Go ahead. Everyone so. who knows, everyone who knows how the internet works, all of a sudden, just forgot how the internet works. <laughs> we have no idea what happened. We call it the. We call it the down. Everything just went down. The down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 
yeah, it's I, I think it's tough because like if you if you had Michael Burnham show up a thousand years in the future and then she corners this guy and she's like, What happened? And he's like, Well, <clears throat> A hundred years ago, the Romulans moved into this section of space, and then you know, the Changelings came over and this, and then teamed up with the Andorians and the blah, blah, blahs, and they came over here, and then the Suliban showed back up, and they formed a pact. And that pact decided to take on the Federation. You know, it, it's like your eyes start to roll back in your head. Mm-hmm. So I kind of understand this want to come up with a quick thing that they can use to explain why the Federation blew up, especially because at this point in the show, we honestly don't know what the Federation's about other than, like, you know, the speechifying that happens at the end of every season. Yeah. There's not really a lot of Starfleet Federation stuff happening in the sh- in this show. Uh, so it's tough to get really specific about that stuff. And as I think um, uh, Jakey's Gamer brought up in the Discord, in Burnham's time, the Federation has only been around for less than 100 years. So her shock sure. that this thing is not an, around 1,000 years in the future is just a strange meta commentary from the... Fra- like, like, of course, the Star Trek people can't admit that this would be the case, but it's in Burnham's terms, her emotionality about the Federation being gone, it would be like discovering that, um, you know... It's like, it's, like, it's like if I woke up and I was from the past and I was like, where are all the Vikings? Right. And they're like, dude, the Vikings have been gone for a thousand years. I'm like, what? It's, it's more, what? Yeah, like, How is where, that possible? If you woke up tomorrow and you're like, where, where is HBO Go? What has happened to HBO <laughs> Go? And people are like, well, you only had it for a week. You're like, but still, I can't imagine a life without HBO Go. How dare it disappear yeah. from my life? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a weird thing, especially, I mean... A thousand years is a long time. A long like, time. There's, long time. There uh, did the Roman Empire last a thousand years? No, I don't think so. Right? I don't think. So. I don't think so. Um, Our entire I mean, history like, of the Federation—that's five times the amount of history we have with the Star Trek Federation. You know, I yeah, think they've been around for yeah. two hundred years, basically. Yeah. So, like, I would have been more surprised if he was like, "Yeah, the Federation. Yeah, that thing fell apart like nine hundred years ago." <laughs> <or something. laughs> That's the weird thing about the timing of the burn. It happened fairly recently. In the history right. of this yeah. thing, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's. I mean, I, I feel like that's you. You could argue that's nitpicking about the time and because I mean, like, I, I think there's a lot of stuff you could nitpick in this. Uh, as far as storytelling stuff goes, like that, it's a thousand years, and why? I don't know. Is it is it realistic that the Federation, in the form that she would recognize, exists for has existed for? I guess 999 years or 900 years or something. And then it fell apart. Um, I, I started laughing when she lands on the planet, this desolate planet. And then she, that she has no idea where she is. I guess she thinks she's on Terra Elysium, mm-hmm. but uh, she types into her suit. She's t- to do a scan for life forms. It has multiple life forms detected. And she freaks out as though she has just re- found like a colony of people and not like, that she's twenty feet away from a nest of land sharks that are about to eat her. <laughs> well, that's you know? um, that's just that all that's to show that they beat control. They defeated control because control is going to destroy all life. So if there is any life, that means that control has not accomplished its mission. Sure, yeah. sure, fine, whatever. Um, I do think that they made some interesting choices as far as uh, showing what this landscape actually was, and they they play fast and loose with how long it takes to get around. Uh, because that ship landed, it had to have been like 
25 miles away from her. <laughs> and she walks there in like in the time it takes to cut away for commercial and then has enough energy to beat a guy in a punch fight uh, after she's she has trouble putting her bag over her shoulder but she's got no problem kung fuing a guy. Yeah, yeah. Um this then on top of that, yeah, they do have it didn't occur to me at the time how weird it was, but I was thinking about it later, how it's like this desolate landscape, but then within walking distance is like this bustling city. It's just a hard cut. You just you just yeah. go from a rural Scottish landscape where sheep are running around to the biggest metropolis that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. There's no suburbs. Yeah, that stuff, uh, <laughs> no, no, there's no suburbs. That that was a little bit, uh, yeah, if that stuff bothers you, that that's going to stand out. Um, the Andorians are the worst shots in the galaxy this side of the star- the stormtroopers because yeah. that scene where they're they're in like uh, Faneuil Hall shooting each other. Um, <laughs> they she runs over to the dilithium desk, yeah, the, which the is like, for dilithium, <laughs> yeah, which is a straight straight shot away from where the Andorians are. They're hiding off to the side, and she runs into the line of fire and runs this you know straight. And then the other guy follows her, and they're just standing there talking to each other while the Endorians are shooting straight yeah. directly at them and missing them by a mile. It's like they're standing there having a conversation while literally 15 lasers are just zapping around their heads. Yeah. Um, and that's like, uh, uh, okay. I feel like you probably could have done that a little better. Um, Poor stage. What would you think of the Andorian, the Orions and the Endorians? The Orions, so, it's bizarre that that guy is not just painted green and that he has some kind yeah. of prosthetic on to make his face look I, that way. I think this has continued the trend from the previous seasons where they are way over made up. Um, they look plastic. That one, yeah, that one dude who uh, who was chasing down Book, he was cool looking. I thought he was neat looking. Um, yeah, the Iridian some, or whatever. Yeah, they're from yeah, DS9, actually, the, if you recognize them. But, oh, no kidding. Yeah. No, I've, no. No. Um, some of the other full prosthetic characters, like the more alien stuff, looked really cool. But the in, excuse me, but the Andorians uh, just felt way over made up. Like they felt really plastically, like you said. And even even the Orions, like he had like a fake nose and a fake chin on, so he couldn't he couldn't really talk. Yeah, I thought it was makeup. a whole fake face. I thought it was like a it might have been a plaster yeah. stuck over his face for no particular reason other than to. It, it looks like they're just trying to make the Orions look like they're like Clark Kent Superman types, but mm. just cast a guy who looks like that and paint him green. It's not like sure. that guy was carrying the episode or anything. It's just a strange yeah. choice. Yeah, and the 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 Andorians, I I kind of go either way on the Andorians because like, uh, I I wonder if it's it's not as drastic a change as the Klingons are. Yeah, but it does feel like it is. They're still going over the top with it. Yeah. I mean I I think they're overdone. They look they just look shiny. They just look like plastic people. Mm. And honestly the biggest thing that I find is a failure is that when they're chasing uh Book and Burnham, they all just look like normal guys who are wearing Halloween masks chasing after yes. people. Like it, it, they probably were, honestly. Yeah, it's just it's not built to really show that kind of stuff. Although I did like seeing the Andorians and stuff like that. Um you know, and, uh, we'll see. We'll see name? if it comes to anything. Morn, Morn, yeah, Morn's group is yeah, there. There's a Cardassian good. in the group chasing them. Oh, was there? Yeah. Oh, I missed the Cardassian. Yeah. Um, so they're all there, and 
I don't have a problem with that. I hope that they kind of explain. They they just say that the Andorians and the Orions are a new crime syndicate working together now that the Federation has fallen away. And if that's mm-hmm. all it's going to be. I, hmm. I, I do. Um, like, I appreciate seeing all those different aliens and stuff, but um, I do wonder if that is the more the realistic way as to how this stuff would be going, where I feel like with the Federation destroyed with these crime syndicates popping up i feel like they're going to be a lot more uh singularly uh race-based let's put it that way you know what i mean like more more divided than the federation was inclusive yeah like if if you go by what this crime syndicate is it's like more diverse than the actual federation (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know with with the breakdown society and stuff you'd think that oh if the orions are running everything i guess they're working for the orions and the andorians or whatever so i guess you could argue that that makes sense but we didn't see who their boss was they talked to their boss over the communicator who tells sounded like jabba the hut yeah so i I don't know if there's some (coughs) ulterior uh motive going on there um let's see we talked about the burn talked about that i one thing i did like is i did like the um Ship design and the furniture design mm-hmm. in the thirty second century. Oh, sure. Yeah, the yeah. furniture was really great. It's kind of like those um, those metal nail toys that you can put your hand in and it makes the hand right. out of it when it yes. drops away. It yeah. all kind of melts. And I, I think that that's like a believable technology that they would have at this point, mm-hmm. and that like that is how their society is built up of, uh, especially this office building where the stuff can just fall apart like that. And I also like the um, controls of the ships and stuff, and very futuristic. Mm-hmm. I was. I don't know if it, I don't know if it makes sense or not that Burnham can read the controls because it seems yeah. totally alien yeah. to me. But she's like, "Oh, there's the engine, there's the warp core, or whatever." Uh, but I did like how tactical it looked uh, or uh, tactile, I guess. And mm. um, the interior, like he has like a rich mahogany bedroom on his ship too, which is a nice, nice touch. Uh, and his ship design is kind of neat. I've never seen anything like that in Star Trek. So all, I thought all the tech looked really nice and worked well. Yeah, I had a problem with it. Well, I guess it extends past the tech into the overall design because I think, unfortunately, I, I, it, it speaks to them probably not thinking they were going to do this when they started the series in the first season. But uh, the problem with the way that they've designed this show from the beginning is they've thrown stylistic cannon out the window, right? So it's like, ah, well, obviously we're not going to make everything look like it did in the 60s. We're going to update stuff and whatever. It's like, that's fine. No problem with that. However, they've made everything in the in the past so futuristic looking that when they jump a thousand years into the future, their design sense is pretty much the same. Yeah. Like I, I didn't get the sense that I was looking at anything that was felt really futuristic in design or, or that like it's a thousand years. Yeah. That's a long time. Like like I said, it, that's the difference between right now and the Viking age. Mm-hmm. And if if you if a Viking jumped from AD 900 into the year 2020, uh his mind would probably explode at yeah. all, at everything and think everything was a was witchcraft. So like they it's and, and it's not the it's not the uh the the realism that bothers me it's just that the, the stylistically they've hit a wall like they can't go any slicker they can't go any more futuristic i'm kind of surprised they didn't go the other way and make things more more make things rougher and less futuristic yeah um 
they try to, I guess, if you want to talk, say like that that uh, marketplace they go to, they sh- it's like, it looks like it's in a like a steam factory or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's an even airport, there, airport uh, shopping center, like an airport yeah, hangar yeah. mixed with a steam factory. Yeah, but even there, it's like they've got all these futuristic signs and holograms and stuff, and it doesn't it doesn't feel stylistically any different than uh, that place that uh, George Ao went. Yeah, where she at met the, end the of Orion. Season one. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, or you know? the troll. Sorry, the yeah, the troll guy. So yeah, it's. I think they stylistically, you've run into a problem there where it's like everything still looks like it's looked for the past two seasons. There hasn't really been that much change. Did you feel that way about um, the Starfleet office? I thought the Starfleet office was a better example of looking futuristic than the marketplace did. Yes, I would agree. I like the Starfleet office a lot. Um, I liked, yeah, I like the design of the the chair, the floating chair and the floating desk and stuff. And uh, that stuff I thought worked really well. Yeah. That, 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 <clears throat> but yeah, it's just the general feel of the of the world doesn't feel that different. Well, you know it's the future because everyone's everyone's wearing a trench coat and running around. Right, and it's, it's yeah. very it's Blade yeah. Runnery looking too. Uh, yeah. the, the Blade Runner influence can't be ignored. That that is a, I mean, that kind of criticism of like a way to solve a production problem and to solve a story problem is that in the future, technological advancement has been rejected or something, which I mm. feel like is a kind of modern story thread that you could have. I think that there's a kind of rejection of um be it science or just you know people are currently going through a phase of rejecting like social media or like kind of awakening to technological damage um mm. they don't they don't seem to want to do that at this point so instead we're stuck in a future where the magical event has happened and the future doesn't look quite as magical as you would expect it to uh one yeah. other thing i like everything all the all the the, the tools and like control pads and shit that they're using it feels like it's the same stuff they used on picard like that same yeah. like holographic control the handguns are just phasers that go around your hand you know it's, it's yeah it's, mega man mega yeah, man mega man blasters of, they have yeah. a little bit of like shotguns or something but you don't know if that's new technology uh she kills a lot of people yeah, in this episode after, after being she, like we are we stand for federation values let me do yeah. let me just nail this guy in the face with a disintegration yeah, she, ray she murdered at least 15 <laughs> people <laughs> so one other thing about the burn, um, maybe this is nitpicking. Why why is there still dilithium around in this case? Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that just isn't that just a, a strange setup? Like, so you're going to have to explain why it was only select dilithium that blew up, and you can still have dilithium and people sell it, and it's not rare enough where it is under Fort Knox lock and key. You just go to an mm. open market and you can buy some of this stuff and. I guess technically it's a black market. Black market, but, sure. But even still, yeah, there's a desk where it's just hanging out. You just, you just smash like, the glass yeah. and run <clears> off <throat> with it, like I've seen on all those uh, Twitter videos of people who rob jewelry stores. It's not that hard. And um, th- that just seems, it's just a, like, is that the show having something to say about dilithium that's going to be different? Or is it the show being like, well, they need to be able to move around. So we have to have some dilithium exist so that they can power their ships. Yeah. Did you I get a sense? I think it's... Uh, I think uh, I don't have a problem with with small amounts of it being around because you know clearly that's what that's what the currency has become at least in the black market. Um, but yeah, you'd think that it would be a little bit more tightly guarded than just uh, out on a desk like you've walked into like a geode store. Yeah, 
that it powers the crime syndicate or something that the crime syndicate having this is the reason that they're able to do things with it right like you know like Mad Max, the the guys right. who have all the water, the guys who have all the gas, are the ones who run everything, and you all gotta work blood. for them, and they give you, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the other main thing, unless you have something else, the other main thing is just Burnham. It's a Burnham centric mm-hmm. episode. Uh, did you want, did you have any thoughts about her? I, I this episode made me just hyper conscious of the fact that the show's production staff has to know what they're doing and i almost feel they're approaching burnham's emotionality as kind of like a trolling parody at this point because she's <laughs> she she gets emotional about everything every scene every scene she's like crying about something and they, i think mm. they've just completely abandoned the vulcan thing unless they're saying that her overreaction is a byproduct of being raised by the Vulcans, but that's never been really made explicit or yeah, aware to her. No, I don't think you're going to hear the fact that she was raised by Vulcans again. In again the show. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> now that, now that uh, Sarek is gone, yeah. it's, it's over. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually really liked the scene where they like doped her up and she starts acting giddy and weird. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, but I, yes, she is very over emotional in this episode. However, I will give it a little bit of a pass because if there was ever a time for her to be over emotional, this is probably it. Just having jumped a thousand years into the future, mm-hmm. she's probably dealing with some stuff. Um, and to do that, yeah, I need I, to I need to give away her Vulcan background. So you think people should just abandon the Vulcan? Oh yeah, I don't. Here. Yes, I I I I highly doubt that's going to really come up again. Uh, Unless they need it for a specific plot point, and then they're going to pull it out of mothballs. But I, I don't think it's like going to make in, influence any of her decisions because it hasn't really up to this point. So, because to me, the problem here is that it's part of the vocabulary and the religious sentimentality of this. It's like everything is just so brilliant that you get brought to tears by it. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no rational understanding of Burnham going like, let me figure out where I am, what the fuck's going on, and how do I find a discovery? She just sits on a rock and is like, I need to find the discovery. It's like, right, get yeah. fucking in motion then. Go like, you're a Starfleet officer who's a Vulcan. Like, go walk around. Not a Vulcan, but you know what I mean? Like, go walk around because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not giving up on that. If you're going to make this the backbone of that character, then you have to for some reason... Yeah, I don't know. I It's because it's like... It, it seems like one of those things where it's like, yeah, we started the show with this great concept, but we've got two this guy and he's got a twin brother. And then after the first season, it's like this twin brother character really not doing anything. What if we have him move away? It's mm-hmm. like, all right, now the twin brother's moved away and we never talk. It's like Sonny Crockett's son yeah. in Miami Vice. He's a big plot point for the first, he's like six episodes out of the first season. And then after that, his wife moves away and every now and then it comes up in conversation, but he never never deals with his son really well, but but I, I guess the argument that that's a different character this would be like tony soprano in the season in the first episode of season two is no longer involved in the mob and never talks about his time in the mob anymore and you're like what the, the hell happened like he was he, he was a he's a mafia capo why, why has this been completely abandoned but I, I think that the problem for me is that it's not hard to make that connection there mm-hmm. to if this series is so invested in the emotion of things that is peak emotional exploration because she's a Vul- mm-hmm. she's raised by the Vulcans. So there's a there's a natural thing there and she seems to so I guess my other question to you, what is she overcompensating for when she goes under the drug influence? She says that I, I'm too helpful. I try to help everybody. I'm overcompensating. What's she overcompensating for? 
Uh, I don't know. Life. Man. You must defend this. You must defend this series. That I, that's the that's the missing link to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but I can't stand her level of uh, weeping to the point where she doesn't do something instead of getting down into the nuts and bolts of like how some military officer you'd assume would handle this situation and try to find people. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. I, I, and I, I just find the emotion overly large and disconnected from the setup to the point where I roll my eyes every time it has, it's just like, Oh Jesus, here she goes again. She's going to talk about something. Oh Jesus, here it goes again. Um, but I might be overly negative about it at this point. I just, it just, I find it just tiresome. I find it really tiresome to, to watch and listen to. Yeah, it does feel like it's turning into a, or it has been a a dramatic crutch where it's like, yeah, if somebody kind of says something really uh, uh, emotionally charged with kind of tears in their eyes, then it, people respond to it as like, oh man, the drama. Yeah, you know, I honestly saw that in the Federation flag sequence at the end. A lot of the Reddit people were like, my eyes teared up when they raised the flag. It's like, what honestly, the fuck are we talking that's, about? That's the only time where I think they should have done it. Like yep. maybe they should have done it a little bit at the beginning when she thinks Discovery's been destroyed. But then save that stuff. Like if you if she's in this a thousand years in the future, she's lost her friends. She doesn't know if they're going to show up ever. Um, they've been through this crazy gunfight, and she's trying to adapt everything. And she's the Federation's been destroyed for a hundred years, and then she finds this like one uh, morsel of of hope. Yeah. Her past and life. That's yeah, and that's the thing that makes her makes her break down. Sure, that's fine. But she, she's especially because the, the other guy, she can't. Yeah, the other whatever, guy can't whatever. be the hope. She has to be the hope. I mean, the guy, the the flag bearer there was getting choked up about it too, and I was like, <laughs> I I bought that. I, I was <laughs> yeah, fine with yeah. that because it's like, yeah, the guy's he's been waiting, been doing this for forty years like a psychopath. Yeah. I did. I did think when they at the beginning when they started with him and he had that box with the uh, the Starfleet insignia on it. I thought this was going to be like a Back to the Future three thing, where Burnham shows up and he's like, "I've been waiting here for a thousand years to give you this box. Yep. It's been passed down through my family." And then it opens it up and it's like a note from Spock or something. <laughs> <laughs> As bird alarm clock. I, I like the opening. Just it it does a Groundhog Day of the guy's day is exactly the same every single time. If he's if he's not shown to be insane or a, an AI or something like that, I'm going to be. I find him extremely unbelievable. I just find him to be an absurd <laughs> character in the face of things. Um, uh, you got to hang. You got to cling on to something once you're. Uh, is that a pun? I don't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wordplay is what I what I cling on to. Um, yeah, we talked about Burnham. Talked about all that stuff. I, I thought there was one other thing that. I, oh, endangered species. Um, mm. I. I normally disregard people who say that this show is political because I don't think it has any point of view about anything, really, especially in the Mm -hmm. first two seasons. The endangered species things made me question that a bit. I understand Mm -hmm. the symbolism of book is saving the endangered species that is the Federation at this point. I don't know if I get a sense of why in this new world he deems this a necessary thing to do, really. Mm and I kind of like when when everything's gone to shit, I just think of the George Carlin bit about environmentalism. And it's like, save the whales. We can't even fucking save ourselves. Like, what are these people talking mm. about? This is insane. And 
his ability to talk to them is more magic. It's like, I, right. Yeah. I, I don't, I, it was the first time I felt like there was some sort of political messaging going on where, you know, environmentalism and everything is great, but it was, it was layered onto a story in a way that didn't make sense to me naturally. And it felt like it was just kind of a cause du jour that they had stuck into it. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I have a hard yeah, time buying the environmental thing or the like saving the endangered worms and bringing them back to a planet. I didn't, I didn't really read into it that much. It just seemed like a, we need a scoundrel with a heart of gold moment. So the heart of gold is that, Oh, he's actually smuggling endangered species in order to save them or something. I, I didn't think mm-hmm. it was that I, I, I would be shocked if, if they were trying to make some grand statement by that, but you did, you did bring up the talking to the animals thing, <clears throat> which uh, I, is another kind of weird religious thing because like when when she gets after they after they have their gunfight and she's been cut in the shoulder he does this weird thing where he raises this plant up out of the water and gives her this weird like yeah the ghost uh, aloe vera plant that he he summons and so he like his his head his forehead starts glowing and he starts raising this thing and the first thing she says is were you praying she doesn't say so what kind of alien are you <laughs> on this alien show that I'm on? Yeah. Generally, people that can do this stuff are aliens. And you are clearly, I don't know if he's human. She didn't even ask. No. Um, it's, she asked him if he was praying, and his answer is kind of. Uh, so, yeah, it's weird. It's very strange to me that, that, they, that this series across the board, except for Lower Decks, has moved so far into this weird religious um not even allegory but just like all the imagery is so so religious well it does it seems the show seems to not believe that anything is possible except for just having faith in something so Mm -hmm. the the reason that you do something is that you're faith driven and that you know that the federation is important therefore you must it's your it's your holy duty to restore this thing there's no discussion of the nuts and bolts of why this fell apart What's replaced it? Is the Federation right. worth saving at this point? Does the Federation work in this new universe? Is any of this relevant? It just goes from, well, that doesn't exist, but it needs to exist. I believe that it should exist. I'm going right, to bring it back, right. and I have, a, I have this belief that I'm going to do it. And it's the same with his talking to animals thing. It's not, a, it's not played up as a kind of like alien trope that he has. He's some sort of um, druid alien that can do this kind of thing where you go, which is fine, whatever, that's one thing mm-hmm. or another. It's instead just... He prays, he has a little glowing sigil on his head that lights up, and you know that something magical has happened, and he can fix things and talks to animals. Um, and also, and also, they don't really, like, I get it that it's like a black market thing or whatever, but like, they don't, he doesn't really go into why it's worse without the Federation at this point. Right. Like you're saying, like, does it need to come back? What situation are they in where, like, the Federation is necessary? Right. It's like it's like if uh, if well, someone she, woke up, she walks off and books like wait it's been replaced by something better like we we don't yeah. need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm sorry I I should have led with that I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is perfect, no, it's it's perfect like, world. It's like it's like someone in in 1989 or 1988 going into sl- uh, hypersleep for a thousand years and waking up and being like the Soviet Union is gone. Yeah, we need to bring it back and everyone else is like well I mean it's been fine. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're still standing <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's really going to help everything that's going on right now um and also how how does she plan 
the Federation is a multi, is a galactic wide. I'm not. I'm just nitpicking at this point. But yeah, it's it's a huge organization that yeah. she is. She yeah. is to reunite. It's not like, like she's trying to reopen the chilies that closed. Right. You know? Yeah. Just sign his petition to reassemble this thing. That's the. It's just a. It's a very large undertaking, and I just feel that the time passing. And there's stuff, no. Sorry. There's no like. I get. I get the concept of of wanting to bring the federation back but again there's no real explanation as to why they need it or or what what good it's going to bring other than the fact that it was once there and now it's not what's been lost by the federation right. besides the ships not being around and people can't get around what what has actually happened due to the loss of this right. i guess they they're hinting that with the crime syndicate kind of stuff like i guess crime is supposed to be rampant is that your takeaway here I guess because I the other thing I was going to say was like there's no indication of like a larger force that that requires the Federation to deal with it. Right. You know, it's like what's the we need to in uh, I don't know pick anything like even like Star Wars. It's like well we need we need the rebellion to fight it to, to bring the rebellion together to fight against the Empire. It's like okay, well the Empire is the key there. You know what you're fighting against. This one's like we need to get the rebellion together for what. I don't know because uh, it seems like the thing to do. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out as they're going. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. It's. I thought the oh the one other thing I wanted to talk about briefly is uh, I get not not that it's any great. Um, revelation or anything but we were right about her coming in showing up before the discovery yeah. shows up still time for there to be um, a long time before <clears throat> discovery shows up too she has longer yeah, hair it looks, at some point it uh, it looks like if i had to guess it looks like they might at least for the first two episodes like jump back and forth mm-hmm. so like maybe the next episode might just be about discovery yeah, just yeah. um but it looked like they were using the same time travel rules as uh the kelvin movies where they both went into the wormhole at the right. same time, <clears throat> but uh, where Nero and name? Spock went in at the yeah, same time. Nero's yeah, ship shows up twenty five years before Spock does, um, and it did get me because I, I, my first thing that I thought was like, wait, they're using the same thing. Spock is the one who opens the wormhole using red matter. Is red matter connected to the angel suit somehow? Mm, the burn. It, not that they ever explain that shit, but. Yeah. Well, you, same mechanics makes me wonder we were wrong that George Zhao was not going to be sent back by the Red Angel suit they got rid of that thing immediately just shot it back sure. into the wormhole to yeah. tell Spock that uh, everything is hunky-dory on the other side yeah I don't I don't have anything else let's take a break we'll play a clip uh, a quick clip and then we'll come back we'll just give some final thoughts about this one and call it a day now I'll tell you a secret I'm not a commissioned officer you see my father was his father before him, but unlike them, I was never officially sworn in. There has been no one to do it, yet I watch this office every day as I have for 40 years, believing one day others like me would walk through that door, that my hope was not in vain. Today is that day, and that hope is you, Commander Burnham. 
All right. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and support the show there. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like extra podcasts. We have a Halloween thing coming up. If you become a $5 patron by Halloween, you're going to get access to our coverage of the platform and TNG's Genesis. We're going to revisit that one as a horror episode. So you get a limited time offer. If you're not a patron by Halloween, you will never get to see them. Even if you become a patron after Halloween, they will be gone forever. So be sign up before Halloween to get no access matter. to those. No matter how much you plead with us, we're never going to let you see those No, episodes. the burn is going to happen. What are you doing, buddy? Amy, can you grab him, please? So, <laughs> so um, what if they had called it the ham? The, the, instead, instead of, of the, burn. the burn? Yeah. Ham it up? I'm distracted. Well, I was, I was, uh, I thought that they were going to connect the burn to burn him because. No, it's, I, the, it's uh, in the name, literally in the name. Right, yeah. I thought they were going to connect it. There was going to be some sort of realization because I feel like at the beginning, it started with her trying to t- say her name. She's like, my name is Lieutenant. He's like, I don't care what your name is. And then eventually I thought she was going to say her name and he's going to be like, what? <laughs> what did you? What What name did you say? He, just, he drops his, his uh, canned tin of ham and it's just like the whole Kaiser Sose comes together. It's very much a, um, a Hodor There's moment. a legend a legend that's passed down for a thousand years about about Burnham. It's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, the flashback Still is time. Just, it's going to be Pike just saying, Burnham, shut off the dilithium. And it becomes a Hodor yeah. thing of just like, burn, yeah. burn. It's a, a fragment, a fragment of a transmission that just, it's a, it's a definitely, it's a Zardoz situation. Yeah, yeah. A fragment of a transmission that burn, burn, <laughs> burn. We don't know what it is, but we call it the we burn. We call it the burn. That's it. Become a patron if you want to support the show, support our discovery coverage. Give me the strength to continue. Lay hands upon me like Michael Burnham will lay hands upon the Federation and bring it back. Um, that's it. Let's see. Final thoughts about this one. I, I, uh, I just, I really watch this one just kind of a lot of eye rolling. I check my phone every action sequence. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's just I'm waiting for something to come along to make me pay attention to it and. I feel that the series never delivers a moment where I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Like, that's something worth holding on to. Yeah. Everything feels very tangential, very ethereal. It just kind of comes along, it floats by you, and then it's gone. I think that people who are really into it really love the references in a way that they don't like references in Lower Deck. So Book here gives a lot of... Book gives a lot of um, exposition, and he brings up a lot of references in his exposition. He mentions the slipstream drive from Voyager. He mentions uh, some temporal other, war, temporal war from Enterprise. Uh, and I don't care for that. And it just I, I'm waiting for the show to grab something. I'll throw it to you with this question: The temporal war outlawed time travel, which seems mm-hmm. counterintuitive to the point of a temporal war, where it doesn't seem that you could mm. ever do something like that and shut down time travel. That was that was the main takeaway I had from that point. I was like, I know the temporal war, Enterprise didn't give Discovery a lot to work with here because they gave them something that was shaky from the start, but it doesn't seem to me that you could ever effectively outlaw time travel because in some timeline, it won't happen and it will right. be there. So who knows? Yeah, I'm, well, I think the most interesting thing is I guess we learned that the temporal Cold War uh, eventually heated up into a, just a temporal war. Yes, Daniels comes back. Unfortunately, I don't think we see that in Enterprise, but we have to assume it was really bad and they outlawed time travel. Everyone still yeah. knows about it. They just can't. <laughs> and I, I also like that because it's 
uh, illegal weapons are outlawed here in America, so I assume there are no illegal weapons anywhere that people are using. So good, good for us. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has stockpiles of illegal weapons right. anywhere. In the <laughs> it's States. out. It's against the law. No one has this stuff if it's against the law, especially in this yeah. dystopian future where. Uh, crime syndicates run wild. They pay attention to oh, the yeah, law, yeah. obviously. Yeah. If anything, if anything, they should be selling like time time machines at, at the <laughs> powered by evil Faneuil Hall. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, what did you think about the uh, um, portable transporter thing? It's fine. Um, yeah. I'm I'm shocked that Burnham thought it was that revelatory of a technology when to me it makes mm-hmm. total sense and is not all that different from how a transporter works in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, yeah, it reminded me of Battlestar Galactica's 33 episode. Um, that's about uh, it. I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Overall. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, it didn't blow me away. Um, it, it didn't make me want to kill myself. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens. I, I probably less interested at this point than I was after the first episode than I was after the first episode of season two, I think. Mm. Um. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with you that there was nothing that stood out where I was like, "Oh, here's a really interesting idea that I can't wait to see somebody sink their teeth into." Yeah, it's just a lot. It's kind of stock stuff, and the only thing that's making me kind of excited is this idea that they're federate. I don't even really know, honestly, what 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 elements of this make me excited for the rest of the season. But um, I I do know I have some questions. Uh, did you watch the the trailer at the end? The season tease. The, yeah, yeah. There were some yellow shirts in that trailer. Are there are there people from the Enterprise that that ended up on Discovery that made it through the the wormhole jump? Because there, I, I caught like two quick shots of what looked like yellow Enterprise shirts. Pike Pike Enterprise shirts. I don't remember that. Um, I don't remember. Seeing I might have been, it. I might be crazy, but I'm almost positive I saw someone fighting what looked to be someone wearing a a, a a gold top. Do you think there's just sort of a resurrectionist movement where people fetishize the old designs of Starfleet and they wear like the costumes and are trying to sort of bring back the Federation it, that way? Co- a cosplay culture? Yeah, basically. Yeah, with <laughs> um, Antifa. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I would put money on something more convoluted than that. Yeah. But. <laughs> It's, it's the um, it's the bat the fake Batman from Dark Knight. It's the start of Dark Knight, oh, right? Sure. It's like just yeah. it's just regular Joe's pretending to be Batman to sort of bring stuff back. Uh, just and yelling yelling Starfleet regulations at people. <laughs> that's right. It's like that Q and A episode. Um, that's it. I guess we're done. Yeah, I'm. We'll see. Uh, people can try to. Uh, give me inspiration or hope for this new thing. But to me, it felt like a lot of the same of what Discovery does. I don't think they're interested in changing. I think that this is what this show wants to be. And if anything, I felt it was heightened in some ways in this episode. Mm. Um, Iceland looks beautiful. I like the production design of the future, at least in terms of how the Federation and the ships look. Book is an interesting character that's a million times better than Ash Tyler. Maybe he's not an interesting character. He's not terrible like Ash Tyler. So I look forward to him being maybe something. The nature thing could come back to bite me in the ass. Um, and other than that, just the, the vague, hopeful reverence for being faithful and un, not interrogative is really just a problem for me for this series. And it's just, I can only go through so many grand events on a galactic scale where it's, it's restored through the faith of the heart 
before I just get yeah. a little bit tired of it. Yeah. Also, you have all of these guest shots from all of these aliens from previous Star Trek shows that that originate from a uh, black market bartering place and you don't throw in like 15 Ferengi. I know. It's a good point. How do you not put a, at least one in there? Yeah, should have been that should have been run by the Ferengi. Should, <laughs> I know it should be. In some ways, the dystopian outlook of Picard feels like it's more in time than the thousand years necessary for Discovery to get there. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. the way that the Federation is at the start of Picard kind of makes sense to me. Post Dominion War, that things would end up that way, and post Romulus destruction and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, so it's. I don't know, but See, it, there. it felt the same to me. It felt like the Picard version is what this future is later on. Yeah, like the in Picard, the place that the, the Federation is in makes more sense for this type of story where you've got the Federation has been moved into a darker, more militaristic place because of things that have happened. Yeah. And then you've got one person, whether it's Picard or, or someone who's like Burnham or whatever, who has this more idealistic vision of what the Starfleet is supposed to be about. Yeah. So then you have a reason to push back. You have a reason for these, uh, you know, Starfleet originalists or whatever you want to call it. And they don't touch on it in Picard, but the Picard reason for the Federation being where it is, they really don't touch on it besides lip service, is a more believable reason for why the Federation would fall that way. Like they, they, they can't get involved in this. They don't have the ships to spare. It's like it's not our time. We have this android uprising. Like stuff has just gone bad. Mm-hmm. It's not a poof, the dilithium blew up and everything, <laughs> everything right. changed. It's just more isn't grounded. It, isn't it weird that at least based on this, fir- this first episode, this show, even though now it's th- a thousand years in the future, still like doesn't want to really play with Star Trek stuff. Yeah, they got rid of all the ships. They're like here's a good yeah. reason to never show any ships. They all blew up. Yeah, Picard at least, you know, uh plays with the toys even if you don't like the game that they're playing. They're playing with the toys. He's also on the Discovery. He's outside Starfleet at that point. So you can you can kind of go like, well, there's no he doesn't run into any Federation ships because he's operating on the outside of all that stuff. Yeah, but I mean, like, just the stuff that they're kicking around. It's like, they got the Borg, they got Romulans, yeah. they've got uh, Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. This this show has always been so cagey about Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the the whether it's the Klingon, well, I, maybe that's not fair, because the, the Klingons in the Mirror Universe are the centerpiece of the first season. and But it just, it just seems like the stories that they tell don't really have a lot of, like, Star Trek stuff in them. Yeah, uh, they don't feel important to it in some ways. Like, yeah, the, it's weird. It's weird that the show started as a prequel, which hamstrung them from certain things they couldn't couldn't do within the Star Trek boundaries. And now they've jumped into the future, and they've erased all the Star Trek stuff. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see see what happens. Yeah. All right, we'll call it a day there. Support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you're so inclined, it's much appreciated. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters, I'll give them a quick shout-out before we go to run. Christian Pouch, Tarek Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergi, Bradley Killens, Matthew Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cholog, Grim Santo, Poindexter G, Dwayne Hackett, Paul Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Nick the Rat, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Curry 6, Jacob123, Mike Harris, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Antoine, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Timothy Cooley, and Zane Majors. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Clay, do you have anything quick you want to plug before we go to run? 
Uh, no, we got Rodden Horror Picture Show came out this week doing uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe, and then next week we got a new badass. Uh, I forget which episodes, but I'm sure they're great. Mm-hmm. Go to thepenskefile.com for those, or just subscribe on the YouTube channel. Oh, and the following week after that is um, our Halloween episode of Rotten Heart Picture Show, where we're going to be doing Fright Night. There you go. And if you're uh, if you're a patron, I think we're going to do a uh, a watch along that you guys can all join in on the oh, cool. night before the show comes up. Sounds good. Patreon.com slash the Pensacola. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Let us know what you thought about the first episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. That hope is you, part one. And we'll be back after we raise the flag. We find someone commissioned in podcasting to do the recording for us. We'll be back and we'll do that. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. See you later. That hope is you.